Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Heather Gessling. She is the COO of the Chief Medical Board for the Wellness Company, who I have very recently become an affiliate with. So I'm super excited to have her here today and learn more about the Wellness Company. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm sorry? Glad to be on. (laughs) Thank you. Likewise. I'm glad to have you. So maybe you could start with a little bit of your background and how did you get involved in uh, and become the CEO of the wellness chief board for the wellness company? Yeah. So I am a family medicine physician. I'm in Missouri. I have a direct primary care practice um, that I started last year. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which has been fantastic. I was, I was pushed into it because mm-hmm. I was terminated for, um, from a position that I, I had, um, had for 11 years. I was, um, a family medicine provider at a hospital in mid Missouri. And then I was also the chief of staff had been the chief of staff of that hospital for six years. And mm-hmm. I had spoke out against the vaccine and my concerns about the safety. Um, and I was asked to step down as chief of staff. And then I was terminated for not doing the vaccine or the testing soon after that. Um, wow. So I gladly um, started my own clinic and it's been doing really, really well in, um, in the spring of 2020, everything changed for me. Um, I realized we were in a big fight for truth. Um, and because of that, I became more vocal about what Mm -hmm. I was, um, experiencing with sort of the suppression of truth of treatment for COVID. And then later on in 2021, suppression about truth of the um, vaccines. Um, I was asked to join um, the chief medical or yeah, the chief medical board for the wellness company in May of 2022. And I um, have been helping build that company since then. And everything is amazing. And we have lots of services providing lots of services for um for our country for America and then we'll hopefully be able to expand to to some other countries but providing yeah. care by doctors that are not um succumbing to the control of you know the governmental agency the lies from the governmental agencies and providing 
and the non-governmental agencies. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) And so I um, am happy to really be able to support that part of the, of the company to provide the physicians with education about the, you know, true, true medicine back to the way it should be where physicians, patients, you know, have good, um, sort of interactions and um, not, there's not a, a middle person in the room, no insurance mm-hmm. companies, no, nobody trying to dictate care based off of an agenda. Right. That's amazing. So how does it work and how is it different from a traditional kind of medical company? Yeah. So we have, it's just a $10 a month membership to join. and. I think there's actually still a promotion going on. Um, It's just a dollar for the first month to try it out. But you um, get access to incredible physicians and medical care. And we have nutraceuticals. Several of them have been formulated into some proprietary formulations by members of our um, medical team. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then also we have other supplements, just our vitality series, you know, like our D3K2 that everybody mm-hmm. should be taking. Totally. Pollen, which I is a favorite of mine and Dr. Schmitz and Dr. Vandewaters. Um, and then we also have some packages to provide care for patients with like long haul COVID vaccine injury. Um, and we have some wellness packages. We do offer um, lab panels as part of those packages. Great. Um, at at an incredibly low prices for those lab Ooh. panels that are part of those packages. Um, and and go I'm ahead. So, so sorry to interrupt, but I, I think this might be interesting to the audience to hear mm-hmm. what kinds of lab panels, because I think, you know, traditional medicine is very uh, surface in with, you know, well, their you lab know, panels. Right. Yeah. That's true. And our lab panels um, for long-haul COVID vaccine injury are pretty extensive. Um, They were developed, the panel was developed by the chief medical board, which is um, me, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Risch, Dr. Richard Ammerling, um, and sort of decided what are the best, um, most efficient labs to check um, for those that are suffering from those things to see if, you know, they're having any other secondary issues associated with the illness or the vaccine, such as um, I've had I've had patients that have become severely anemic after getting the vaccine. Of course, we check that. Some some patients have reactivated Epstein-Barr virus or cytomegalovirus, and we check that. Some patients have become hypothyroid after um, getting the vaccine or having COVID and long-haul covid um, so there's about 20 different labs that we check. We check your inflammatory markers, your sed rate, CRP. We check a D-dimer, make sure you're not developing these microclots. Um, we check a, a troponin to make sure you're not having any type of like heart inflammation. Um, and I think that's it for that. But like the wellness labs, we got... We check, you know, your sugar levels. We check your um, nutrients, some important nutrient levels like vitamin D and B12, your cholesterol, of course. And and that's a whole other topic. You know, the whole cholesterol thing has been um, really a sort of a fraud. I mean, the, the primary prevention of lowering LDL cholesterol 
is really not um, that beneficial for patients. Um, we were lied to about the significance of lowering LDL as the bad cholesterol. And um, really your most important indicator for heart disease is your triglyceride HDL ratio, which we do mm-hmm. check with that lipid panel. Um, and we and we learn how to focus on the right things, the right um uh, biological uh, markers with patients. And um, the the um, other panels are really um, a mix of those things that I've mentioned, um, some, some other nutrients, we check vitamin C, we check some other thyroid labs, but you know, we're going to bring into, um, I have a meeting next week to be able to bring in allergy, um, food allergy testing, easy nice. food allergy testing into um, the company. And we know that we want to extend um, those services as far as um, lab checking labs. We've talked, we just thought we were on a call talking about that today. That's awesome. Really awesome. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about, I actually did a podcast earlier today and we, we talked a little bit about the the whole cholesterol lie. And uh, I had a yes. theory that I, that a lot of it was to promote uh, the satin drugs, yes. which are a huge, huge uh, profit model and, and also very different. Everybody's on them. And yeah. also uh, they do a lot of harm. So mm-hmm. yeah. So could you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the the cholesterol myth and this cholesterol is essentially like the waste export carrier, right? That that's what I yes. learned in my basic science education. So I'm and surprised. We need, that- I mean, we need cholesterol, right? right? We need it to um, support brain function, neurologic um, function, like a protective coating in the myelin sheath. We need it to produce steroids and hormones. Um, and the statins themselves will lower LDL um, to detrimental levels. And some of those statins, atorvastatin, rosuvastatin, lovastatin, actually cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, and there's mm. been studies that have been done that nobody ever talks about that, you know, these patients that are starting to have memory problems, they stop their statins, their memory problems improve, and then they restart and those memory problems return, wow. memory impairment, um, dementia. And so they have big impacts on mental, um, on uh, mental capabilities. So these, um, these statins that have been promoted for so long as for primary prevention, there's a small amount of benefit in statins for those with secondary prevention, meaning they've had a, a, already had a heart attack or a heart event. Um, but for primary for pre- prevention is pretty much a fraud. Also, um, not only is LDL very um, uh, potentially not harmful or beneficial to us both, mm-hmm. uh, the statins themselves are very harmful. So they inhibit the conversion of K2, vitamin K2. And mm-hmm. if you know what vitamin K2 does, it pulls calcium out of your bloodstream, even your arteries and plaque formation, pulls it out and puts it into your bone. And so there are studies where they have checked coronary calcification scores in patients before starting statins and then years after starting statins. And undoubtedly, many of them have worsening coronary calcification scores. 
So then, then what do you do? Well, then the, the cardiologist you know, say, oh, well, calcification is actually good because it's stabilizing plaque. Well, of course, that is ridiculous. Nobody wants calcified arteries. I mean, that's no. arteries. Um, and so the reason I do believe based off of the the um, information that I've researched is because of that inhibit, it inhibits the conversion of K2, which is actually what we want we want that K2 to pull it out of arteries right. and plaque and put it into bones. We want uh, softer arteries and more firm, dense bone structure. And that's one of the beautiful, magical things that vitamin K2 does. So when you take vitamin D3, you should always take it with K2. It's super important to always take with K2 because that D3 increases the absorption of calcium and you don't want that hanging out really in your arteries where it gets deposited. You want it to go into bone. Wow. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's super important. And that's terrible that, that doctors don't inform their patients. I feel like they prescribe it constantly. It's they like somebody constantly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's also, like candy. Like candy. And also cardiologists, you know, if you, um, if you talk to any cardiologist, they're still giving all of the old, terrible advice about diet, you know, basically follow the food pyramid or eat low fat foods. I mean, how terrible is that? That's the, uh, they, somebody has a heart attack and they send them home on these low fat fake foods, tell them to eat plastic margarine, you know, that's just awful. Tell them they can't have saturated fat. So all of the real things, butter, beef, especially grass-fed butter and beef, all of those right. real things, they're telling them to stay away from and telling them to eat the fake plastic foods. It's terrible. They're toxic and inflammatory. Um, and it's amazing these cardiologists haven't really changed their advice for decades. It's really it's really sad. It's kind of astounding. Yeah, I, I call that the, uh, the snack well diet. Yes, right? it was like the snack. I used era. to love those cookies. Do they? Are they even? I used to eat the devil's food cookies. I loved them. <laughs> I, I have no idea well, if they're still around. But, I don't know, but I remember I that. That was like them. the yeah. That it was around that time when they were promoting this all this nonsense and yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I wonder why that is. Is do you think it's because uh, the cardiologists are not um, like like? Do you think it has to do with the I, I I don't know. Is it because they haven't caught up to the modern day knowledge? Well, is it because they don't get any nutrition training? Is it because I, they're I being incentivized by pharmaceutical companies? I, yeah. I mean, it's a whole big mix. Mm -hmm. Number one, cardiologists, you know, they don't want to go outside of the mainstream mm -hmm. um, sort of agenda and narrative. They don't want to be the, the one that says don't take statins or eat right. plenty of beef. Because right. they get their, you know, the, their reputation is at stake. Um, the American Heart Association is is part of the problem. You know, they they're they're not aggressive enough in recognizing what dietary factors really impact cardiovascular health. You know, right. sugar sugar is so inflammatory, so toxic. I mean, what we should be saying is everybody eat beef and butter and eggs and cheese and get rid of the muffins and the bagels that were so pushed on everybody. This, you know, low fat 
but high carb diet is so incredibly toxic. Um, but yeah, so as far as why, why they're not speaking up, I mean, yeah, they don't know, they don't understand the truth about statins. They don't understand the truth about LDL. They don't understand the truth about nutrition. They don't understand what is, you know, what these fake foods doing or, or especially vegetable, vegetable oils, the seed oils, corn, canola, soybean oils, how toxic those things are. It's crazy. Um, but you know, you go to, I, I go to the store, like if I'm not going to like a natural grocery store or whatever, and I just go to the regular store, it is really hard to find butter that's not fake margarine or not yeah. butter that has also like canola oil in it. So you just yeah. Butter. Everything has like canola in it. Everything. Everything. Canola or seed oil. I mean, I've even gone to restaurants yes. and I asked them, you know, what they cook in. And sometimes they'll say olive oil. But when I ask them to check again, they, they're they like, well, it's partially olive oil and partially canola. Why yeah. they're mixing canola with olive oils? Like, why? I, I, mean, I, I think it, it's because it's you know, cheap, but it's cheap. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's true. I actually, so the seed oil thing is, uh, really interesting because there's a, the, the science on it is, it seems to be kind of nuanced. And, uh, I, the, in the discussion today, I was really, we were really trying to dive into this, um, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of the studies are coming out and showing that it is so inflammatory and it's so toxic. I mean, I think mm-hmm. canola oil is a completely separate conversation. World War II or Chile or Greece does not belong in food. I don't really think yeah. there's a discussion about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but seed oils apparently seem to be, um, like it's not inflammatory for everybody, depending on that there's a gene, but hmm. yeah, and I think it was the FAD one and two genes, but it, but what the studies are starting to show is that even if you have a gene where it's not inflammatory, it still uh, can lead to t- type two diabetes. So you, you may not have, but I think that's where the dispute comes in, into play because people are starting mm-hmm. to argue that they're not uh, necessarily detrimental. And, uh, mm. you know, like everything, there's, there's always the flip sides of the argument. Yeah. So who are arguing out and get their genes tested. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But the people who are, I, the people who are arguing that seed oils are beneficial, that I don't understand, but the people who are arguing that it might not necessarily be detrimental, um, that I, I have a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of a compassion for, I think that that's possible. I'm willing to look at that, but that's yeah, what it seems to course. be, right? It seems to be that if you have this gene, it's, it's about the uh, inflammatory response. And if you do have that gene though, then it may uh, d- lead to, it's, it has to do with the elongation of the linole- uh, linoleic uh, acids. acids. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then the, the result of that is that you're, um, shit, I forgot. Um, I totally blanked, you're but yeah, make, so it's a, have to do some research. Yeah. <laughs> because if, they're saying that if, if that, if, oh, because if that, uh, that, this is what it was. So sorry. So if the, those change trains elongated, then mm-hmm. it depletes your, uh, DPA EPA mm-hmm. and then it becomes uh, more inflammatory. So mm-hmm. ultimately it seems like either way though, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a downside. You just might not show in the immediate studies for some people because they're not showing the inflammatory response, but those people may still mm-hmm. be showing, uh, you know, linkage that leads to uh, diabetes, which yeah. I don't know, is fascinating Absolutely. to me because 
I I'm very open to hearing, you know, if, if the, there's an, mm-hmm. if there's a contrary thing, point to an argument, I'm open to hearing it, but it does seem always, like, always, yeah, that's it, you know, always. So yeah. if somebody, you know, that's the thing with medicine and science is we should mm-hmm. constantly be sharpening each other. Iron sharpens mm-hmm. iron. We should constantly be, you know, discussing it and talking about it. And totally. if something's not right, let's talk about it and fix it. Because totally. that's what happened, of course. You know, we were just squashed and told we can't, you know, it's science is settled. We can't talk about right. it. And all this suppression of information and, and um, suppression of discourse where we, you know, yeah. that's the way medicine has always been. It's always been from the from the ground up, not the top down where, you know, physicians talk amongst each other and say, are you seeing this? And what did you do? And what worked? And all of those things, you know, like the doctor's lounge type discussions. And we were, and and a lot of that um, is, it's so beneficial to be able to talk about that with each other, like on mention things on social media and talk about those things. And when it's all suppressed and hidden, Patients suffer. The country suffers because we can't work through those things. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Absolutely. Uh, and also, I think that you lose the the nuance in the bio the bioindividuality, right? So that, that's mm-hmm. the thing that was interesting about the seed oils conversation. Ultimately, it destroys the mitochondria. So it's, it's not good for anybody is kind of my conclusion from mm-hmm. the little bit of research and information that I have ascertained, which is not that small. You know, I'm not a scientist, but I've been diving into this for a, a little bit. So ultimately, mm-hmm. that's the conclusion I've come to so far. And, you know, like I and- said, I'm open to more information. But I, you, it, it is unique to the person how the response is going to be. So, like, what, mm-hmm. what pathway uh, it may be detrimental for them is going to vary, right? So, mm-hmm. and how long it takes for that to show up is going to vary for right. people. Yeah, and how long it really takes to actually process out those the the toxicity as well. You know, yes. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah, they they're saying two to four years because it has such a long uh, half life. Yeah, and every and soybean oil is in everything. Mm-hmm. It's in even if you try and go buy like olive oil mayo, like the first ingredient is soybean oil. I I mean, you know, it looks healthy. Oh, it looks mm-hmm. like it's going to be a better alternative. And then you turn around the back of the bottle, every single brand, the first ingredient is soybean oil. If you get them at, unless you get it at like a nutritional, um, a natural type store, but even right. then you have to really look because you know, some of those products still have like canola oil in them and stuff. So you got to be careful. Yeah, for sure. I, I know I was talking about how the, uh, it, it seems like the new trend in marketing is the uh, organic labeled stuff have seed oils in them. Mm-hmm. The the inorganic uh, stuff doesn't, but it's not organic. So it could be GMO, whatever. This is not always true, but I'm seeing a lot of that. And I do think it's a, a marketing type of, uh, I don't yeah. know why. I don't know if it's because the organic stuff is more expensive. And so they compensate by putting seed oils in it to 
you know, lower their costs. So they I don't use know a what lot of like sunflower, safflower oil. Yeah. Which I think is still pretty toxic. Yeah. No, it's still, it's still vegetable oil. It's still the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but uh, yeah. So the, for the wellness company, do they focus mostly on COVID or are there other um, like and, medical? And I should say, um, I should have said earlier. So how to find us is at twc.health, twc.health. And um, so we don't just focus on COVID. The, the, we have that treatment available. Mm, Great. You have, you know, a respiratory illness and you need acute care for flu, COVID, RSV, RSV is everywhere. All these respiratory viruses are everywhere. And they can, a lot of them can all be treated similar to COVID because they're RNA viruses. And so Mm -hmm. we can use those same treatments that we realized worked well for COVID, we can use those same things for like flu and RSV. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we can, we can treat patients for acute care visits. We can, we can do all essentially all other acute care vi- type visits. You know, if you, um, if you have a UTI, if you have like a rash or if you need a refill, you know, just one visit for a refill on like a blood pressure medicine that's working well for you. And, you know, just seeing that refill. <clears throat> and um, then, the, and then we have the long haul COVID and vaccine injury mm-hmm. premium type packages. Um, and our whole mission of the company is to be able to get patients off of medicines. We don't, Good. we don't want to utilize pharmaceuticals and, you know, there's hardly in my practice, um, you know, I've been able to get so many patients off of pharmaceuticals. There's hardly any condition that I, you know, just absolutely require it. Yay. That's amazing. And, and it's amazing what patients can do when they, you know, change their health, their habits into healthy Mm -hmm. habits. Sure. Intermittent fasting, such a big fan of it, such a big fan. Um, and that's what we promote at the wellness company is all those healthy habits and, and yeah. allow the, the body to learn how to heal itself, the learn how patient learn how to heal themselves and restore their health. So restoration of their health. And um, and so we have that freedom from pharma program that um Patients come in and they get a wellness type partner, a health and wellness coach. And they're most of these health and wellness coaches are actually pharmacists, PharmDs that have sort of left their life of pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical world. And they want to help patients get off of the pharmaceuticals. It's amazing. Love it. Um, and so these health and wellness coaches help their patients learn all of these healthy habits to get off of pharmaceuticals. Now there's not, you know, some patients, we, uh, we tell patients, we can't help everybody. You know, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, it may be necessary, you know, everything can be healed in my opinion. Most everything mm-hmm. can be healed. Um, but there's medications that are beneficial while the patient is in the healing process. We may may not be able to get everybody off of everything, but we do try. And if you, and if it, if the program is, is not a fit and you come into the program and it's not a fit for you, you can get your money back that first month. We are not, we are not here to take people's money and not help them. We want to help people. Um, and so if people are interested, um, there is that program. And, um, like I said, there's, um, there's the wellness um, packages as well, where you can get labs done, see what your metabolic health, see where you're at as far as your metabolic health. Um, uh, Dr. Jen Vandewater is 
is our farm uh, farm D and she's mm-hmm. heading up the freedom from pharma program. Dr. Jana Schmidt mm-hmm. is naturopathic doctor and she provides so much amazing um, naturopathic advice for our company and for our um, freedom from pharma um, health and wellness coaches um, really excited to have both of those um, amazing doctors. And so with regard to the nutraceuticals, um, we do have several supplements that are helpful for COVID um, mm-hmm. back to that. So we have the immune boost. We have, um, so our company is sort of a legacy company of uh, Zev Zelenko and um Our founder, Foster Colson, was really good friends with Zev. Um, So we have those products, Z-Stack and Mm -hmm. Z-Detox. And then we also have a a supplement called Spike Recovery, um, Dr. Vanderwater's Spike Recovery. And it has multiple components in there that help neutralize the spike um, and the effects of spike associated Mm -hmm. with long-haul COVID or vaccine injury. Hey, Awesome. Awesome. So is this done? uh, Are there any in person or is this all telehealth medicine? So that's a good question. So we currently have it all telehealth. We Mm -hmm. do plan to expand to brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. um, And we, you know, have talked about some strategic locations, um, but currently telehealth. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What do you see as the future of medicine? Because this is kind of a, a, it's a little bit outside of the mainstream way of doing things, right? So do you have thoughts mm-hmm. on the direction that medicine will go? You know, I've thought about that so much. You know, <laughs> I, it it seems like at one point everything was just collapsing, right? Right. I mean, it seems like, you know, staffing shortages and hospital, rural hospitals closing mm-hmm. and, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen. I do know that the vaccines have really created a lot of illness, a lot of, and, you know, increased cancer and these things. And so it's like they've, it's like they've built in the need for, for this mainstream medical, you know, institution. Um, it's like they've created the illness that right. makes people need them. And this is right. something that I, you know, sort of came to this realization about lately is, the vaccines themselves are creating an uh, increased need for medical care. And so I get a lot of patients in my personal practice um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, come in and and I do a lot of intensive detox on these patients and that experience and the experience of the board members is, and um, you know, our interaction with other um, leaders in um, the treatment for these vaccine injury um, um, issues is what has helped us, um, with directing these physicians to be able to care for patients that have Mm -hmm. vaccine injury and long haul COVID. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's becoming, I just hope everybody just stops. I just wish everybody would just stop taking it. I mean, you know, there's people that are still taking, you know, fourth and fifth, um, boosters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in Mm -hmm. some countries they're insisting upon it still. Yeah. Still. And then and then requiring the children is an atrocity. It's terrible. Yes. So terrible. Um and and so we also offer a vaccine exemption program, um, which we launched last month. And Great. to try and help fill a big need. Um we have we recognize 
that um, that people need medical exemptions. We also help guide them in being able to get religious or philosophical exemptions, you know, based off of what's allowed by their employer or um, state or school system. Um, so we do have that service as well. Uh, so I, I'm just curious, what is a philosophical exemption? I like the sound of that. So but- a philosophical exemption is somebody who just basically says that they don't believe that this is right for them. Um, I know in my state of Missouri, um, is a philosophical exemption is allowed for um, parents, and if they don't, if they choose not to vaccinate their children, is for that for? Vaccine. So sorry, is that for any vaccine, or is that just yep. for? Wow, mm-hmm. I love and, that. And there are multiple states in the country that that is um, that's on the books. That's a law that allows for philosophical exemptions. It's different than religious. I mean, it's very similar. But sure. if somebody is not religious, mm-hmm. but they are opposed to the technology, opposed to the theory of the of the vaccine, opposed to you know whatever, they can um, ask for a philosophical exemption. That's incredible. I've never heard of that, but I, I love it. That's really, really awesome. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on, uh, so it, from the sound of it, you're obviously not supportive of these vaccines. And I, I'd love to talk a little bit about that, but I'm also curious your thoughts on just vaccines in general. Yeah, I've come, I've had a, a journey with regard mm-hmm. to vaccines. I mean, all of my children are all, I guess my oldest is not quite up to date. We went through a process with his, he's a senior in high school, went through a process oh you know, getting that um, exemption, but all of my children have taken all of their vaccines essentially. And, you know, I I never would have thought that I would come to a point where I would say, I'm not ever giving my children another vaccine. I just, I've lost faith in the safety. Um, You know, we, we were told in medical school for, a short lecture. They're all safe. They're all, they all work. They've been safe studied. and effective. Yeah, yeah. They're they're all perfectly safe. And you're an idiot if you don't think if you think otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know. But we weren't given the studies. And a new book called Turtles All the Way Down, not the fiction book, but the mm-hmm. the actual um, uh, book that it has a forward by Mary Holland, um, children's health president children's health defense, but that's the way, you know, it's the right book, but that book, um, it talks about the fact it's written by a group of Israeli doctors who are anonymous because they're scared for their careers, but talks about how probably their lives as well uh, in their lives. It talks about how all the childhood vaccines have not been studied against placebo. They've all been studied against, you know, a similar vaccine. Um, and so we don't have any true long-term safety data um, how, I mean, we, I, I believe we do not official from the government, but like, um, Dr. Thomas up in the, uh, Northwest, I think he's from Washington, he's a pediatrician and he had somebody come in and do the statistics on his pediatric, um, population and those patients that did not do any vaccines versus those that like did a reduced schedule versus those patients that did the full normal schedule, dramatic, dramatic, um, as far as lower incidence of like eczema, allergy, ear infections, autism, ADHD, dramatic um, decrease in incidences in the, in the patients that hadn't had allergies too, I I would imagine, right? Allergies. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always say that uh, nobody re- does a deep dive research on vaccines and comes back, you know, pro vaccine. That That's, that's just, exactly it was right. Like, right. Like it was a long journey for me as well. Uh, I was born congenital rubella. That, that's the story anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, you know, really had a lot of cognitive dissonance around, you know, particularly the MMR, right? Mm-hmm. Because my parents mm-hmm. were not vaccinated uh, against mm-hmm. that. And, uh, mm-hmm. but once I started diving into the research, I, yeah, I completely changed my perspective. So that's really interesting. So like you, you kind of had an, an initial thought, well, if my mom had just had the MMR vaccine type thing, right. it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, it, you know, it wasn't so much, uh, I didn't even think of it in terms of for myself. That's interesting. I never really thought of that way because I think I personally feel like I was so fortunate, you know, but mm-hmm. you hear so many cases and I've certainly talked to other cases who were not. And, mm-hmm. you know, so to me, it was like, well, that's, this is a really important thing. And, you know, there are people yeah. all over the world who are suffering as a result of not having this vaccine. And we're so fortunate mm-hmm. that we have it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I realized that I just bought a whole lot of propaganda. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing how much disease is actually, um, you know, some other books, sort of some entry-level books, The Moth and the Iron Lung, that's such an interesting book, you know, talking about all the different toxins that really were the some of the root causes of polio. This, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. Teething tablets were full of mercury and, you know, the, the infants were getting teething paralysis, but it's because they were being given poison while they were teething, these teething powders, sorry, not tablets, but teething powders. Um, that were in these little packages and it was full of mercury. Right. And then later on, it was the lead arsenate um, pesticide. And then later yeah. on, it was DT, DDT. Um, so that's a really interesting book. We were get, It was a bunch of propaganda. Like even that picture that everybody sort of pictures, this big gymnasium full of all of these beds with the iron lungs and the nurses standing next to them. Yeah. That was all propaganda. That was a show. Many of those people were did not have polio. They were put in the iron lung just for show. They had what had happened was there was a town in California and they had purchased a bunch of these um, iron lungs for the different hospitals and they had them all in one location and they set up this picture for essentially propaganda. Um, and, you know, to say, look how scary this disease is, right. look how many kids are affected. This um, is why you need to get the vaccine. Yep. Exactly. And so essentially polio was already on the way out by the time the vaccine had, um, really hit, um, in America. And so then, and also dissolving illusions by Suzanne, Dr. Suzanne Humphreys is such a great book. I, I listened to it on audible because it's a, it's a very long, heavy book. Um, but mm-hmm. You know, those books are are real eye openers. And like you said, doing a deep dive on really the safety of those vaccines is is crucial for parents. So parents, I think, are learning to wake up and just they don't trust it. They don't trust the system anymore. They don't trust the, the government. They don't trust the pharmaceuticals. And they're questioning everything because of what has happened over the last two years with this other vaccine. They're like, well, what else have you been doing to us? You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Interestingly enough, it's a it was the polio vaccine that got me kicked off Twitter initially. Uh, and they told me, yeah. And it was, they told me it was COVID misinformation. I was like, polio, COVID, not the same at all, but they, they didn't seem to care. So they don't care. Yeah. No, they yeah. don't care. They don't care. But yeah, 
that that was that was what did it for me. I'm I'm now back on, but under a different name. I've yeah put my yeah. So, um yeah. So I'd love to talk about the the, the vaccine that made a lot of people dive into vaccines in general. So the, this COVID vaccine. What are your thoughts on what's going on with it and what we might see in the upcoming years? That's a good question. So you know this the uptake is, you know, every, every booster that comes out, the uptake becomes less and less. Right. So I don't know where we're at with the uptake Mm -hmm. with the bivalent vaccine, but I think it's incredibly low. I wonder, you know, most, most of my patients that had chosen to get the vaccine, um, I don't know any of them that are saying I'm going to take the next one. None of them, of course. I mean, I, I do a great job of educating and I wish I was able to, to be able to, some of, some of the patients that I have now, they came to me after they'd already taken it and, you know, they wish they hadn't, but nobody is, is saying they're going to take it. So I'm just wondering, you know, what the future holds because everybody's sort of waking up. I do know as far as the future that they're thinking about switching a lot of these vaccines to mRNA technology, which, you know, the lipid nanoparticle that surrounds the genetic sequence, which allows for that genetic sequence to sort of slip through every cell um, membrane is what would have to be um, utilized for other RNA vaccines. And that lipid nanoparticle is inflammatory itself. So one of the major problems with the COVID vaccine is that it creates lots and lots and lots of spike protein production, right? Which is inflammatory. And so that's one of the reasons why this COVID vaccine is so bad. However, the lipid nanoparticle is also inflammatory and it deposits in the ovaries, the bone marrow, the brain, causes inflammation and disease. And so future vaccines using that mRNA technology, I imagine will also be quite inflammatory, whether or not they're coding for an inflammatory protein like the spike protein. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, um, and I, and I saw that, um, Moderna is testing, um, an RSV. I think it's in phase one trials for the RS another RSV vaccine. Um, Pfizer currently is in phase three trials for an RSV vaccine and believe it or not, they tested that RSV vaccine on pregnant females, which is really just not been done. Almost all clinical trials exclude pregnant females, but they were able, this was about two to three years ago that they started this trial. They were able to get 7,400 moms to sign up for this trial for an RSV vaccine. It was a, it was more of a traditional protein based, but vaccine, however, um, 7,400 moms agreed to it. And I was on a podcast a, a week or so ago and I thought, you know, I was making the point, it'd be really interesting to see if they could pull that off again now. How many moms are going to, uh, after all that has happened, 
would now be placing blind trust, blind faith into a pharmaceutical company after what we've learned. I don't, I think it'd be a lot harder to find those moms now, but, but the Pfizer phase three trial for this RSV vaccine, it's given to pregnant females. um, And then Moderna is putting on an RSV vaccine that's um, RNA. And so, and I keep hearing that they're going to do this um, RNA um, technology with all the other vaccines. What were the findings with the the pregnant women and the and the Moderna? Well, it was sponsored. I don't know Pfizer. Pfizer did the trial, so yeah. But we didn't. We we don't know what the results of that were. Oh, oh, we do. So, well, what they tell? Well, they tell us that that the um, results were showed no, essentially no safety signals. We don't have the actual data. Um, They said it was reviewed by. data safety monitoring committee. Um, but like, you know, just like with the COVID vaccine, we'll probably have to fight to get the actual data. All right. That sounds right. That does sound right. So this uh, lipid nanoparticle encasement, mm-hmm. right? Is this mm-hmm. the same as the like DARPA hydrogel? Um, I don't know that that okay. exactly. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that term that it might be. Okay. It's, Somebody, maybe other, somebody else may be able to answer that. I don't know that. Okay. The DARPA hydrogel is really scary. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, uh, Charles Lieber uh, was involved in that one and it, it involves hydra, which is like mimicking parasite, parasitic. Yeah. So it's essentially inserting parasites that lodge into human tissue. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know about no. that. That's quite interesting. And that that's just a, in theory, would be part of how it works because it's a uh, because it's a uh, it inserts into the cells. Inserts. So therefore, it can well, buy- know, that, that brings up a point that I meant to make about the lipid nanoparticle, which is you know all of these sort of people that didn't understand how the vaccine works, especially I'm in groups on Facebook, social media. Um, that have physicians in them that were saying all of this ridiculous stuff like, well, it's, it's the, the technology is just the same as any vaccine technology. It goes into the arm, goes into the bicep, mm-hmm. you know, creates a little bit of antibody and then goes away, mm-hmm. which is all of course a lie. Or right. they compare it to, well, when you have COVID, you produce spike protein too. And so, you know, it's no different. But it is because whenever you have the virus, you have infection of tissue that has the ACE receptor. Okay. So you mm-hmm. have the spike protein being produced in those cells that have the virus infected. But the difference with that and the vaccine is that the vaccine technology is designed to go into every cell type of your body. And so it's not the same. You have tremendous continuous spike protein production after getting the vaccine. Wow. Yeah, that's that's scary. Mm-hmm. What do you think about, uh, I, I had written an article a few years ago about the the potential and I wrote it as a theoretical the potential for the shedding based on 
the self-disseminating uh, vaccines that are, you know, the studies they did on that in Australia that were in the Johns Hopkins future for uh, what is it scenarios for a technological future document, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that, on the vaccines and its uh, potential to be affecting those who may not have taken it? Indirectly. Well, I totally, I mean, so whenever I first had heard about this, mm-hmm. uh, I did research and it's not far from, it's not far fetched at all because, um, the, they've done that for, they've done that for animals where they mm-hmm. created that technology and it spreads. Right. It's a, it's the self propagating vaccine. I mean, that's what we, that's what we've already done. And right. so I don't know exactly what is getting transmitted I mean, right. we have so many stories of females you know that have their obvious effect on cycles or whatever when they're totally. around vaccinated i mean we know it's just multiple multiple stories and then we have um um multiple numerous accounts of patients having things like nosebleeds and stuff yep after being after being around the vaccinated, I mean, there, there is something that's happening. I don't know exactly. I mean, we just don't know. Right. Yet. I, I know that it gets transmitted. And if you have a, like a spouse that has had the vaccine, I know, you know, there's all forms of contact. Um, sure. And I do know that it's very, um, very likely to be passed through lots of different fluids. Right. I worry. Right. I worry about that for a uh, future generations, right? If you're mm-hmm. uh, procreating. And I know yep. that a lot of them have not been successful in that regard because it does affect fertility. But for it the does. ones who do, what does that mean? I, I'm guessing we just don't know. We just don't know. I mean, I think it's important to do everything you can to detox. So mm-hmm. that's a, that would be like, in, in a, do a long period of fasting, several days of fasting, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's safe for you, I'm not giving sure. medical advice. I'm trying to, you know, give education, but you sure. know, along fasting helps decrease um, inflammation and helps your body heal. So you go through autophagy, right. Where you can mm-hmm. um, kill off bad cells mm-hmm. and heal yourself. Ketogenic mm-hmm. diet um, dandelion root, which is in our spike recovery can help neutralize spike. Um, Selenium, natokinase, natokinase is, is helpful mm-hmm. um, for spike. And so being, um, and then just reducing toxic foods, like we said earlier. So being intentional and doing everything you can right. to help with detoxifying is important. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think that is, and you had uh, mentioned this earlier, but I think it's really interesting how little people know about just illness and toxicity in general. I think people, you know, they, they think of it mostly in terms of contagions or pathogens, but they don't think much in terms of uh, toxification, which I would argue is probably mm-hmm. most of what causes disease. <laughs> it pro- I'm sure it is because if your body is functioning fully, efficiently, healthy, mm-hmm. then it would be able to fight off disease, mm-hmm. whether it's infectious or, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to produce an autoimmune type condition. If it's, right. if it's healthy and the cells are functioning efficiently, it's not, it's not going to let cancer get out of control. It'll squash it and get rid of it. I mean, that's a, another thing that intermittent fasting does is it helps kill cancer cells that are mm-hmm. starting because oh. it finds it. It's, it's able to spend the energy to go find it and kill it. 
Wow. That's fascinating. So, yeah. So intermittent fasting, when you stop eating at seven at night and you don't eat until like 11 the next day, that's mm-hmm. my favorite form of intermittent fasting. It's like a 16 off and an eight on. So you're not eating for 16. You're eating great. So what it does is it allows your body not to have to focus on digestion. Right. So when you're not focusing on digestion at night, your body gets to do everything it wants to do, which is heal. It wants mm-hmm. to heal itself. And so that's what it does at night. It goes and finds old cells and gets rid of it, finds cancer cells and gets rid of it, um, heals your brain, refreshes your body. Um, instead of having to spend time and digest food, I tell my patients, whenever you eat late at night, your body's like, oh, dang it. Now I don't have to go digest this food. And so instead of being able to do what it wants to do. Right. That's really interesting. Is that do you feel like, because I feel like that's a very debated topic, intermittent fasting. Do you feel like there are people who have negative reactions to it? Mm-mm. Really? <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I don't, I think- have, I don't have any patients that can't do it. Um, even my diabetics. I just tell them, you know, you just have to extend the amount. If they're on it. I don't have hardly any patients that are on mealtime insulin. All of my patients yeah. are off of mealtime insulin. That is a that right. is crap way to treat diabetes. Anyway, um, so the the patients just learn how to adjust and extend and slowly mm-hmm. work up to that sixteen hour fast. Wow, that's that's fascinating. And what you do know, you, yeah. another thing that it does real quick is it reduces your desire for food. So when you're not right. constantly eating. Eating breakfast, having a mid-morning snack, and having lunch. Um, sorry. No, no, you're good. Children. Start eating lunch. They want to be part snack. of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and then having dinner is then they're constantly releasing insulin. And so when they're constantly releasing insulin, it makes them crave food all day long. And so whenever you extend that fast. It gets you out of that cycle of eating. Right. You just, you don't feel like hungry like you used to feel. And you don't have that constant craving for snacking because that's driven mostly by insulin. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are some of the like alternative medical practices that you are, recommend for people? Well, or that um, you're. Well, you know, if you want to try and find a doctor that has has sort of left the system, yeah, you know, the, <laughs> the mainstream medicine, dpcfrontier.com is a way to find a direct primary care practice. I'm sorry, say uh, that again. DPC, like direct primary care, DPC okay. frontier, frontier.com. So it will give you a list of DPC practices in the United States. Um, and I think that's a really good start because those are the ones that they know that they don't want to be a part of the system. They've left. They're not taking insurance. Most DPC practices are just cash-based, membership-based, um, and they're not controlled by hospitals, insurance, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. Sure. That's great. And so, therefore, they're not pushing the typical recent kind of protocol, right? What do you recommend for people? Because I think one of the scariest things for a lot of people right now is needing any kind of acute uh, medical attention because Mm -hmm. uh, particularly the hospital and also any facility that is uh, under a hospital, you know, 
because just because you're not at a ho- going to a hospital doesn't mean it's not affiliated with a hospital. But if it's a pil- affiliated, yeah, then mm-hmm. the, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just had this conversation with a husband and wife um, couple that are my patients this morning. You know, they're like, "Well, what do I do if I need to go in the hospital?" I'm like, "I'm not gonna let." <laughs> If you call me, it's very, very unlikely you'll ever have to go in a hospital. I mean, I can, as far as my own personal practice, I can almost take care of every single thing that a patient is going to need. So I can give them fluids. I can give them oxygen. I can, you know, give them antibiotic or steroid injections if needed. And hospital care, I think, is for the most part, most of the time, not required. I've even kept patients from having to have um, surgery. I've kept patients from having to have their appendix out. I give them a round of antibiotics, keep them from having to have their gallbladder out of the surgery and get surgery for that. I mean, it's just most of the time unnecessary. If they have to go into a hospital, you know, well, finding, you know, calling us first, Mm -hmm. calling twc.health and getting started on protocols for respiratory infection. Um, even if, if you, most, most of the time it's best to get that started early, like mm-hmm. the hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, it's best to get it started early, not do this weighted out thing and see it, I, I am done with that. If, okay. if a patient has a respiratory infection, I immediately get the hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin because they're antivirals. Mm-hmm. They have antiviral effect. They decrease viral replication. So I get that mm-hmm. started on everybody early, which will prevent worsening of disease, worsening of infection and illness, and try and help prevent, you know, like secondary secondary bacterial infection, like pneumonia. Um, mm-hmm. And so patients also are more um, likely to never have to go in a hospital if they just have a really good nutritional status, really good vitamin D level, taking C and zinc and you know, like quercetin and <clears throat> being proactive about their health, getting right. their chronic conditions um, uh, resolved and healed, mm-hmm. you know, being able to get off of pharmaceuticals, fix their diabetes, fix their hypertension. If they reduce all of those risk factors, they're much more likely to never have to need that hospital. Um, but I recommend getting treated early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do people know like what they need to be treated with because in early stages, I think it's often you don't necessarily, yeah. right? So I just, I don't get too worried about testing. I really mm-hmm. don't. I don't think anybody needs to say, oh, okay, I went ahead and test and I have the flu. And if you have a respiratory infection, uh-huh. it's very commonly an RNA virus, very commonly is going to respond to like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Um, it's definitely going to respond to vitamin D and C and, and zinc. Most likely it's probably going to respond to quercetin. You can also use black cumin seed or black seed oil. Those mm. things are really helpful for viral infections. Um, mm. And so, you know, just taking, I tell my patients to take big boluses of vitamin D when they're sick, 10 or 20,000 is and sometimes even maybe if they're a big guy tell them to take 30,000 for a couple of days. Um, and so really being, um, uh, focusing on nutrients and, and nutritional mm-hmm. status and um, keeping up on, on all of that is going to be, um, is going to be the most important. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, because right now I think people are, you know, so scared 
and they're being they pushed. Yeah, people are really, really scared. And so also, I've seen. Um, maybe I could get you the um, the way to get it, but I have seen bracelets. Mm-hmm. Um, Nurse Freedom Network mm. is selling bracelets that show that you have a remdesivir allergy. Wow! And you. And so if you have a family member that needs to go in, if that they absolutely end up having to go in the hospital, right? It's COVID, if you get them that bracelet, it's an allergy alert bracelet. They can't give them remdesivir. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's remdesivir is killing people. Yes. It makes no sense. It literally fills your lungs with fluid. So if it you makes have no- a respiratory infection, Toxic. why would you want to? Fill your lungs with more fluid. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's so toxic. It's so bad on the kidneys, um, which is a lot of times what leads to that fluid accumulation. It's just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, that 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 one needs to go for sure. Yeah. So they can yeah. get this bracelet and and what, yeah, what so they can get this bracelet. I've seen mm-hmm. um my good friend Kim Overton, who started Nurse Freedom Network is has posted that she that they're selling those bracelets so um, theoretically everyone would have an allergy right <laughs> to remdesivir for sure for mm-hmm. sure right we know what it does right so yeah all right good yeah because i i think they're pushing it in a lot of the hospitals that's uh still, still pushing it still pushing it are they still doing ventilators yeah. I mean, I don't think I haven't, I just haven't seen very severe COVID since right. like maybe February with, sure. you know, the drop in oxygen and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. You would think that they would have learned so quickly early on how to correctly manage patients, you know, just with high flow oxygen or BiPAP, definitely not the forceful ventilation that was, that's been killing patients. What do you think is coming next? I, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, potentially uh, releasing either uh, bioweapons or fear porn or a combination thereof. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I know that what we're seeing right now with all of this respiratory illness is because everybody that's had the vaccine, our immune systems are crap. And so they're not capturing viruses and neutralizing them like before. So, you know, the normal way of sort of virus propagation or virus capture and neutralization is gone among a lot of patients that have their innate immune system, their T cell function destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're seeing incredible respiratory illnesses, um, incredible. Um, I had a patient, um, she's not vaccinated, but I had a patient mm-hmm. who I did a swab on her throat and sent it from like testing. She kept getting sore throat. She had strep throat. This is a, like a 45 year old. She has strep throat, mono and flu, all positive. Um, patients are getting multiple infections at a time. It's really crazy. And she was not vaccinated. You said, Mm-mm, so what do you think is she, causing she, that? She works in a nursing home. Oh. She works in a nursing home and all of these patients are vaccinated. And so all mm-hmm. of them are spreading all of this virus because their immune systems are crap. And so they're, they're, they're not neutralizing the virus. So she's getting exposed to all of this incredible amount of illness. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm very concerned about, well, I'm multi-faceted, multi, 
multifold concerned, um, but both with what we're going to see in the future as a result of all of these injections that people, you know, we've already seen lots of deaths, uh, tremendous adverse reactions. And I, mm -hmm. my fear is that this is kind of a, you know, modicum of what we're going to see in the future. And then yeah. also what, what's going to happen with the, uh, are people going to be affected by people who have taken it? So yeah, what, mm -hmm. what's going to be left of the, their main and I think, population? I think everybody just has to do their best mm -hmm. to get their health in check, to get their health restored. I think everybody needs to do their best to um, have a really good functioning, strong immune system, um, high vitamin D levels, Mm -hmm. Get good sleep, reduce your stress, reduce EMF toxicity, mm -hmm. turn off the Wi-Fi at night, you know, check EMF around your house and see if there's any hot spots and reduce that toxicity. That's what I think we need to do. Yeah, no, for sure. People need to take as much control as they possibly can over their health. Absolutely. Yep. What yep. you you had mentioned trying to detox from the injections. What um what are some of the ways that yeah, you had mentioned fasting? What do you think mm -hmm. is possible to detox from them? And and if so, I don't know. Yeah. That's okay. a good question. I don't, I mean, I think you can limit the effects of spike and reduce mm -hmm. the inflammation. I also think that you can support your mitochondria. So we know how damaging the vaccine is to mitochondria. I mean, we've, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, Dr. Ryan Cole has pictures where basically the mitochondria, you look at them under the microscope and they're just blown apart to smithereens, mitochondria are destroyed. And those are your energy producing um, organelles in the cell. And so whenever you, and so you're going to have some functioning mitochondria still, you need to support the mitochondria that are working in your body. Um, we have, um, a amazing formulation called mito support that helps with, um, supporting mitochondrial function, Dr. McCullough's. And so, you know, reducing inflammation mm -hmm. and neutralizing spike, mm -hmm. supporting mitochondrial function is, is sort of the, the foundations of treating like vaccine injury or detoxifying from that. There are medications that we know are helpful for vaccine injury. Um, ivermectin, low dose naltrexone, steroids, um, they can help with the, the effects of the vaccine as well. Well, why do you think that is? Well, ivermectin has so many, um, uh, uses. You can do a search, like the 20 mechanisms of action of ivermectin. It comes up with this like beautiful graphic of all the things that it's proposed to be doing. Um, and naltrexone is a real, is anti-inflammatory type medicine. So there's steroids. And so they all have different functions mm -hmm. and that not everybody needs to be on those medications. We sort of have a stepwise approach in treating those injuries in our patients. Um, but also, oh, I've totally forgot about bee pollen. I mentioned it earlier, but bee pollen is super important for filling in all nutritional cracks um, and, and helping your body be totally efficient and your cells functioning. So bee pollen has two to 300 different vitamins, minerals, amino acids, proteins, enzymes. It's like God's daily multivitamin. It's, it's like you could take the whole supplement store and put it in bee pollen. 
Um, but bee pollen is um, something that you should take every day as sort of a, a food. It's a granular substance. You do a spoonful of it. I recommend to start with a quarter teaspoon and work your way up. Just make sure you don't have any allergies. Mm. Um, but we get our bee pollen from Dr. Janice Schmidt's bee farm in Florida, pure um, bee pollen. Oh. It's very important, very helpful. Yeah. So now I, I recently heard that honey has a lot of vitamins as well, or is it, it just, I the don't bee know pollen? as much about honey. I mean, okay. I know that we use honey for like helping local organic honey to treat like allergies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that bee pollen has some of those similar properties and, mm-hmm. but I don't know all of the nutrients and how effective the honey is, but you can put a little bit, you could get a spoonful of bee pollen, put a little bit of honey to sweeten the flavor of the bee pollen. That's what I do is I don't absolutely love the taste of bee pollen. I usually mix it with a little bit of honey or peanut butter or something. Right. I actually really like the taste of bee pollen, but I tend to like things that I do. I'm very strange. Like I like, I like a lot of bitter things, bitter and sour, Mm -hmm. which apparently Mm -hmm. is genetic. Like it it has to do with like a a specific taste bud and that it's Mm -hmm. genetic to have that receptor. Although Mm -hmm. most of my family does not share that with me. So I must have gotten it from another relative. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I, I I am very strange that way. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. So bee pollen to mm-hmm. has the and mix it with the honey for those who don't like the taste of the bee pollen. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to think what else you do. You have any other kind of uh, suggestions for people or? Um, we also have our book. The next wave is brave. Um, you can look at, you can see at the next wave is brave.com. Um, it's available on other locations where you can get books, you know, online, but the best place to get it is the next wave is brave.com. And, um, uh, so the six of us on our medical team, um, Dr. Janice Schmidt, Dr. Jen Vandewater, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Richard Amerling, Dr. Harvey Rich and I all um contributed to this book and it's the book is a is a path forward talking about the future you know we we do discuss you know what we've been through over the last two to three years but we don't focus on that we focus on what to do for that not to happen again how do we move forward with it within the crazy and the chaos yeah um yeah that's great. Yes, because I really hope this is not happening again. Because I honestly think that they do have more planned. Because uh, I kind of, um, I, I'm of the perspective that this was planned. And for sure, uh, yeah, so 100%. yeah. So uh, knowing that, and that I don't think they're done. I think they they have lots more planned, but they, I think they can only get away with what people allow them to get away with. And mm-hmm. that's you know, right. So yeah. I'm just hoping that next time around people do not opt in and do not do not kowtow out of fear. I think that was yeah. one of the main mechanisms that allowed them to uh, implement such, you know, draconian measures is because people were so scared. We're so scared. It was all about fear and control. Same thing with the vaccines. I mean, things that people would have never considered doing. I had a new patient come to me the other day and she had never taken a vaccine in 25 years. She, she didn't, um, she didn't trust them, but then because she admitted she was so scared, she took them. 
And she says, I don't know what I was thinking. I hadn't taken a vaccine in 25 years. And then I go and roll up my sleeves for this experimental thing. And she says, I was just so scared. Wow. Wow. That that's a that's quite profound because I think I'm sure she's not alone. Yeah, yeah right. I'm sh- sure, she's not alone. And I think a lot of people took it out of fear or because they were um I I, I call it the convenience, you know, they wanted to be mm-hmm. able to travel. They yeah. well, I heard so many times. That's one of the the main reasons why I heard my patients had told me they took it is because they wanted to be able to travel unimpeded, didn't want to have the hassle. But, you know, travel within the United States wasn't really, I mean, you could get on a plane and have to have a vaccine, but people somehow, I had a patient tell me he thought it was going to get required. So he just went ahead and took it, Um, which I'm like, but they never even required it. He's like, I just thought they were going to. And then, you know, or they had fear for their families. That was such a tremendous lie. We were told, of course, we knew it wasn't true, but we were told it prevents infection, therefore transmission, Mm, such lies. So many, many, many people took it out of um, a feeling of responsibility for, you know, those around them, for their family. I did it for my parents. I did it for my sister who has breast cancer. I did it for my, you know, son who's immunocompromised. All of these things. And it was all lies. And in fact, they were probably harming their family members because once you the vaccine um we saw research study after research study that showed that those that had the vaccine were more likely to transmit the the infection i mean it's because they don't have the iga antibodies in their mucosal um and like in their mucosal tissue in their nose and their mouth that people who are um exposed get so the vaccine produces the the ig the IgM, IgG, and then IgG later, but to the spike. And they're producing the whole sort of uh, first line um, defense antibodies against the infection. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. What, what have you seen from the patients you have who have taken it? How have they responded? And uh, I've what? seen I've seen so much. I've I've seen some that amazingly don't really seem to have any effect, and they mm-hmm. probably got they probably got a really cold blot, you know, yeah. not one that was very yeah or a placebo, um, yeah, placebo, you know, opposite of the hot lots, mm-hmm. um, and so and then I've seen um, some that have just gotten so weak, so mm-hmm. fatigued and mm-hmm. short of breath. And, you know, they're probably throwing tons of microclots. I check labs, you know, and they, many of them have elevated D dimers indicating that they have these clots because, right. um, you know, depending on their symptoms, we may or may not end up getting scans to look for bigger clots, but they just, they show symptoms of just tremendous microemboli. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with how, how they're going to improve. I just don't know. Wow. What are your thoughts on the clots? I mean, they look, I, I've heard so much uh, different information regarding these clots. Like I, there was one study showing that there, it wasn't organic material, Um I I don't know about that. I mean, it okay. looks to be proteinaceous. Um, okay. I think that I've heard that it's amyloid. 
um, protein. And okay. I don't know the exact composition. I mean, <clears throat> these clots are like nothing we've ever seen before. That's yeah. They and they're strange. Getting they're getting pulled from patients, not only those that have expired and are dead, but also they're getting pulled from patients that are alive. They're getting pulled, you know, from, I had a patient that got pulled a long chunk of a clot got pulled from her brain last summer. And the, and the neurologist told me he'd never seen anything like it. Um, the interventional radiologist was able to go do that. He's like, I don't, I've never seen this ever happen. We just pull out this big chunk. And so, um, it's happening. It's real. It is definitely structural. Like you can see the tentacles and, and they're, and they're not falling apart whenever you pull them out, they're, you know, clumps. And so it's, it's just, I wish we, I wish we had more definitive information about it. I don't know why we don't, you know, I I wish we knew more. Yeah. Why, why, do you have any thoughts on why we don't? It's very strange to me. I mean, you would think that that would be one of the first things that they'd be investigating and studying. I mean, if nothing else to figure out how we treat it and deal with it. Yeah. I, I don't have a good answer. I honestly do not know. Yeah. yeah it's bizarre. I've seen just, uh, I mean, not firsthand, but I've seen videos and pictures of these things and they they, they don't look like, I, again, I'm not a medical professional, but they don't look like any cloths I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, they're white. They, I think they start as the fibrinogen clots, the regular mm-hmm. type blood clots, and then they build off of that from what I can tell. Wow. How interesting. Yeah. yeah. And in the people who are uh, the live patients who have them versus the deceased, do do they notice any difference in those? Yeah, I don't know that answer. And so I'm going off of like my own patient's personal experience and what I've seen um, from other patients. And I don't know how to really compare definitively in those that are alive versus those that aren't. I wish I could. No, fair enough. I, I, I'm just curious. I, I mm-hmm. feel like we sh- it would be great to have a lot more information on it. But <laughs> very, it very would. strange. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't, if you have anything else, uh, please, uh, you know, tell me. Uh, I think, that's, I think yeah. we had a good conversation, covered almost everything. Yeah. Awesome. I do too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Definitely uh, tell people where they can find the company, find you. Yeah. Yep. TWC.health. Um, I'm on Twitter at hgessling. Um, The book is at the next wave is brave.com. And I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Good conversation. Have a good night. You too. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.